Hey guys, TJ here. Just some context about this conversation with Ben as we talk about how exercise can help you heal. Number one thing is if you guys have any kind of uh, athletic background, this is going to be of value to you. If you don't, it will be of value to you. My goal here is when we're talking about the six core pillars and really diet, sleep, exercise, or movement, active rest, reflection, connection, as you hear from all these different experts, I want you guys to be able to think about these pillars in your life differently. And especially when it comes to exercise, where there's a culture of um, really exhaustion. And one of the things that's so powerful about working with Ben for the last year is that he said something to me one time. He said, I'm here to make you better, not more tired. And those two things don't always go hand in hand. And I think if that resonates with you, you're going to get a ton of value from listening. Incredible story about a man named Miracle Dave. There's a lot of really good nuggets in this episode. And of course, this was a webinar format, so we pulled the audio. Um, have some grace with that. But if you get value from listening, please go ahead and like, rate, review, share with a friend who would benefit from listening. We really appreciate you. Thanks so much for being here. Everybody, welcome. Thank you guys for joining. Uh, ben, it's good to have you. Good to see you. Thank you so um, much see, for having me. I see enough maybe already, but it's always good to see more of you. Um, <laughs> ben, ben and I have been working together and uh, for almost a year now. It's been almost a year. Yeah. yeah. And Ben has, uh, has an extensive background uh, in a, across a number of different things. Um, so Ben was on Nutrition 101. If you guys were watching Nutrition 101, if you joined for Nutrition 101 or were listening, and he gave some great insight. So he has that background as a registered dietitian, um, which is you know one aspect of Ben that is extremely uh, insightful. But I wanted to I wanted to actually have this conversation with Ben today on really how can exercise help you heal? I wanted to have that conversation with him because actually Ben, like I think that, you know, we were talking uh, the other day during one of our sessions and I remember you said, you know, some people, experts will say, oh, it's 80% diet, 20% training or 60% training, 40% diet. And he's like, Ben, you know, Ben was telling me, he said, no, actually it's 100% diet and 100% training. Exactly. And, and, and that, like it hit me. When you said that, Ben, it hit me. And I want to use that as a launch point for our conversation today, specifically the idea of training. And, and we're going to tie it into the process of healing. We're going to tie it into the process of healing. We're going to talk about mind-body connection, um, how to think about working out when you have high levels of stress or anxiety. We'll talk about what anxiety looks like from Ben's perspective versus what people in America uh, see as anxiety. And, And then we'll talk about increasing sensitivity to biofeedback so you know how to really support your body. And this is something, sensitivity, Ben, is something you've really helped teach me. And so I'd love to park on that at the, at the end of the session. We're going to try and keep it around 45, 50 minutes, guys. We may go over by five or 10. Um, and I want to respect Ben's time. And um, so anyway, so Ben, as a quick introduction, you have extensive background, extensive experience. Um, I'd love for you to share just like some of the different uh, paths that you've had, whether it be powerlifting, CrossFit, um, bodybuilding, all these different paths, these different, I call them lives that you've had, just to share people, share with people um, some of your background so they know where you're coming from. Yes. Yeah, so I started at the age of 15 with bodybuilding. I used to be a soccer player. And at one point I just shifted towards the gym and I became a professional bodybuilder. I did powerlifting also professionally as well as CrossFit. And I did bodybuilding now for almost 18 years. In between, I did powerlifting for about two to three years. CrossFit only about a year because I got sick of all the injuries I got from CrossFit. And yes, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by a bunch of professionals, even at a young age, who teach me a lot about nutrition, about how to heal your body, how to use movement as medicine, how to utilize nutrition as medicine. And yeah, 
that's pretty much the, it. And yeah, there's so much. Well, there's so much in what you're sharing because I just have had the opportunity to hear all these different stories. The idea of movement as medicine, movement as medicine is something that really stands out in our conversations. Um, when you're when you're training, when you're training clients, which you've trained athletes, you've trained moms raising you know three kids, you've mm -hmm. trained men in wheelchairs and you've helped them walk after they've gone through years of physical therapy, not getting really anywhere. And all of a sudden you were training and I'm thinking of one person in particular we've talked about and you started training with him and then he was walking, you know, right. there's something different in your approach. You're able to understand something about exercise and training that a lot of other personal trainers, a lot of other experts don't understand. And I think one of the elements is you see movement as medicine. I think one of the elements is you see movement as medicine. Can you tell me a little bit about, before we jump into mind-body connection, can you tell me a little bit about how you first got turned on to the idea of movement as medicine? How I first? So even at a young age, I was teach that mental health and physical health go hand in hand. And I'm a huge believer in that. And the reason I went to the gym in the first place was because of an injury. I had a knee injury. I didn't really know what it is. I was not diagnosed. My soccer coach just sent me to the gym and told me, hey, do this, do that. And let's see if it's going to improve your, your issues. And so, yeah, this is basically how I started lifting and how I fell in love with the gym. And what I did realize is that even though my connective tissue was damaged because of all the years of playing soccer, I was able through lifting to improve my, my pain to basically heal myself from whatever injury it was. I really don't know what it was. And this is the first time I really realized, oh man, you can really utilize weightlifting, exercising to heal your body. And this is basically how it all started. And after that, I started educating myself more. I started reading about it. I started asking more questions. And this is how it all began. So it's funny you say that because I actually didn't know that that's how you, that I didn't know that that's how you actually got into the gym was through that injury. And you may have told me in the past, but I didn't even know that. This is actually the main reason I went to the gym. So I was always into, it might sound weird, but I always was into muscles. Even as a young kid, I always like people or actors like Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Van Damme. To me, this was the perfect picture of the perfect man. I just didn't know that I grew up with all of that. And this is what I thought is the perfect role model, the perfect man. And yeah, so... Then after they sent me to the gym to basically rehab or do some rehab therapy for my knee, I just stuck to the gym, literally. Yeah, and, and when it's funny when you say that, Ben, because uh, you know as you talk about just your you were onto to muscles, like in other words, your mind was set to understanding the physique of the body from an early age in a healthy way we're talking about healthy understanding right like a healthy mm -hmm. a healthy view and so what's interesting to me and what i've noticed with you specifically and i've told you this is you're an artist i see you as an artist you see you see pictures of oh, people thanks. i appreciate that <laughs> you do you see pictures of people that they don't see of themselves because you understand what it would look like, for example, if that person is healed in their shoulder and what their muscles could look like, or if that mm. person has better posture, how that would affect how they feel, but even as well as how they look. And so you almost, it's, I see the way that you even look at clients and, you know, when we're training, you'll say, Hey, this is something that we need to focus on, or that's something we need to focus on. So you have a really good understanding. And I think this is backed with your technical understanding of like, you know, the muscles in the body, mm -hmm. like you understand what muscles work. So can you explain maybe a little bit about how you think about the mind and muscle connection? How do you think about the mind muscle connection? You know, I, 
I think most of it now is just experience, but I do have an understanding what I did study, the principles of human physiology. And once you start understanding how your body works, how it really works, you're going to be able to heal yourself through movements. And before I start training people, I really analyze people. Okay, what is your weakness? What is your strength? Where do we have to work on? And then I basically come up with a plan. And then I think about, okay, what can we do to fix these issues? And how can we bring these tissues or these issues to the same level the rest of your body is? Does that kind of make sense what I'm trying to explain? And it does make sense. It does make sense. And I have a question. Do you have a particular story? Because there's a number of different stories. You, ha you have so many stories. And so I, just to extract that concept through a story, is there a particular story that, by the way, I'm very impressed with Ben's ability to, to have this conversation and a number of other conversations where you get into technical details because he came to America not knowing English uh, three years ago. Was it three years ago? Yeah, four years ago. Four years ago. Yeah, and taught himself English by listening to podcasts. Taught himself English by listening to podcasts, going on walks, listening to podcasts, doing research. And so when you hear words exchanged, it's like this. He's he's literally deconstructing as we're going. It's it's very impressive for the effort, <laughs> just how you're able to do that, Ben. But when we're yeah, talking actually, about it, yeah. Well, when we're talking oh, about the stories that you might have around how you think about this, right? How you, how you think about creating a plan. So you do an assessment when you're looking at somebody where they might have an injury and exactly. then you're thinking about how you create a plan. Is there a particular person that comes to mind that you recall that, that this is how you went through that process? Um, you know, already Miracle Dave, who's one of my clients, who was sitting in a wheelchair for about four years and the physicians told him, hey, you will never be able to walk again. He has multiple conditions. He has, he has a lot going on. And by saying that, that he will never be able to walk again, he gave up on himself. He literally gave up on himself and he just believed these people and he was discouraged. So, but after training for several physical therapists, manual therapists for years and years and years and not going anywhere, he just hired me and asked me, hey, can you help me? And I told him, hey, I, I'm not sure if I'm able to help you. I'm not sure if I can bring you back to 100%, but I can tell you, and this is something I promise you, I will help you to improve the quality of your life. Okay, so you're not going to be able to run a marathon again but you might be able to go down the street to Walmart to get your prescription drugs, for example. And this is really what happened. And Dave was someone, he fell many, many times throughout the day and he was not able to get up and he could not stand on his feet for longer than a minute. So when I started training him, instead of using the conventional methods a physical therapist used to do with him, I literally made him sit down on the floor and get up on his own. I was just showing him different ways, how to make it easier, how to get up, how to utilize a table to get up, how to utilize his wheelchair to get up. And after he was able to get up 10 times in a row, this is when I started working with him on his walk. And yeah, after he started realizing, oh man, actually I'm not as limited as all these people are trying to tell me I am. Let's just give it a try. And I saw many, many tears. And sometimes even I got emotional seeing that because you see this, this broke man who's just broke because someone told him he's broke and him just giving up. But yeah, after training him for about maybe six or seven months, he started walking again. He was able to walk throughout his apartment. He was able to walk to the restroom, go back, and we just started by walking in place. I literally put a chair behind him. So when he loses his balance, because he also had a lot of issues with his balance, he had vertigo, he had many conditions. I would just push him back. Literally, hey, if you feel like you're losing your balance, let me know. I'm going to push you. So you sit on your ass. And 
yeah, this is this is how I started working with him, and this is how he was able again to to walk after sitting in a wheelchair for I don't know how many years. He didn't even know how to walk anymore. We really had to teach him or reteach him how to walk again. And hey, it did work. And while he was improving his physical health, his mental health improved as well. And like I said earlier, I'm a huge believer in mental health and physical health. They do go hand in hand. And what I've seen in Dave, what I what I experienced in these six, seven months, it was just it was a it was life-changing. This is something I've never seen before. And I'm honestly, when he first asked me, hey, can you help me? I didn't know how to help him. I swear I did not know. I never I never had a case like him. And I just told him, hey, you fell, okay, you need to learn how to get up first. And then you start teaching you how to walk again. And then we started doing footwork. We started doing, I would create like a little square on the floor where we do some footwork, which you normally see professional football players doing. And we had to work on his balance, on his coordination, but bottom line is now he's able to walk again. And he is happier than ever before. And the only reason he gave up was because someone told him to. Wow. That, that last part, just sits with me so strongly, so strongly, because that's something that I'm so adamant about in my life, how belief drives behavior. And yeah, I truly believe if you, anything is possible. I truly believe that. Dave came to me and he was weighing around 280 pounds, 285 pounds. When I was done with him after 10, 11 months, he was at 210. He was able to do sit-ups. He was able to do push-ups. Of course, he still walks slow. For him to walk a mile, it's going to take him, I don't know how long. But he's able to walk again. And, yeah, he was, he's an amazing human being. Like, wow. the way he fought and the way he pushed through his sessions, I sometimes felt that. And now looking back, I even realized, oh, man, I put this man in danger. I made him walk up and down the stairs many, many times during the session. Of course, it was behind him in case he is going to lose his balance. But do you know how hard it is to catch someone who's 250, 60 pounds? <laughs> so, yeah, hey, we made it. And now he's able to walk again. He's a completely different person. His mental health improved by I don't know how many percent. And, yes, movement is medicine in my eyes. Wow. And I, so that to me is more powerful than the other example I was going to share where there's a 2014 study, just to illustrate the mind-body connection. I read about a 2014 study where, um, and I just want to get this right, so I'm going to read this. They found that participants with one arm immobilized in a cast could avoid losing wrist strength through imagery. Exactly. And, and I actually can confirm that because when I used to do bodybuilding and when I used to compete, I broke my arm just doing stupid things, but I did break my arm and I went to the gym and was basically training the other side of my body. So since I was not able to use my left arm, I was still training my right arm. I was still training my chest. I was still training legs. I was still training normal except for my left arm. But while I was doing or performing all these exercises, I was imagining I would do the same with my left arm. And your body is incredible. Your, your body is amazing in adjusting and adapting. And there's something going on in our body which is called homeostasis, which is basically a fancy word for keeping your body in balance. And I was expecting so much atrophy in the time I could not use my arm. And actually, I probably lost 50, maybe 20%, but that's it. I was expecting to, for my upper arm to be the same size like my lower arm, like my forearm, but it was not. Just by training the other side of my body and still imagining I train my left side as well. I don't know if I've ever told you that before, the story, but I, what you, had, you just said that, I can confirm that 100%. Can you tell me, I'm actually, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's incredible. Can I you know, tell me like- I'll show you soon. <laughs> I want to see it. Can you show me like 
Okay, practically, Ben. I got I to gotta know. <laughs> now I have to know. Like, were you looking in the mirror, imagining you were doing the same exercise, or was it simultaneous while you were doing the right arm? You just closed your eyes and imagined doing the left arm with no movement. How did that actually look in practice? I was watching myself in the mirror, but yes, I was imagining I would do the same exercise with my left arm. And the funny part is this is something I just picked up somewhere before. I was young at this age. And this is just something I heard somewhere. I don't even know who told me or if I read it somewhere. I really don't know. I just remember that. And this is just what I did. I just went to the gym, trained normal. I thought, okay, well, I can't train my left arm. Let's just train the rest of your body. Who cares? You have a good excuse if your left arm is smaller than your right arm. And... But yeah, my muscle did not shrink like I thought it would. And so I 100% agree with what you just said. It works. Wow. I went yeah. to the gym every single day with my, my arm in, how do you call it? When you break your arm, the thing around, like a, like a, a cast. cast, like a cast. But hey, yes, it worked. It really worked. Wow. And there's, there's a lot of studies done just for everybody watching and listening. There's a lot of neurological evidence that shows our brains play a major role in regulating uh, muscle movement and strength. And just, just from a practical standpoint, this is the example. These are the examples. These stories are real stories that give us more of that belief which then affects our behavior. If Dave, Miracle Dave, as Ben calls him, which I love the name Miracle Dave, if he doesn't, that I might have. <laughs> if if he if he doesn't even believe that it's possible to get up, then why would he even try? And exactly. so it's. I think what Ben. Here's the other thing I think that is important to mention as a caveat uh, or a side note, which is it's really important to recognize that you do have limits and there is danger in in potentially um, you know, putting yourself in the gym without knowing exactly what you're doing, without having some guidance or somebody, for example, walking those stairs, without having somebody there, that's probably not a good idea. And at the same time, having that somewhere in your mind that it's possible that you need to get there and actually do it. In other words, the action needs to be met with the belief. Both of it's like this tension between those two things. But I saw your response, so I'm curious what you were gonna say to that. Of course, don't be stupid. Just don't be stupid about it. Be on the safe side. Seek help from a professional who's going to support you, whatever whatever you're going through. And yeah, man, just don't be stupid about it. Seek, seek help, be safe, put your body in danger so your body is forced to change, but it does not have to be dangerous. Does that kind of make sense? And this is really important. You really have to force your body to change. If you don't give your body a good reason to build muscle tissue, to strengthen connective tissue, your body will not change. You really have to give your body a good reason to change and to convince your body that it is a good, that it is a good idea to change. Because your body, what your body doesn't want, what your body does want to do is sit on the couch, eating junk food and watching Netflix. Of most people, that's what most people want. But yeah, you really need to force your body to change. And like I'm saying, if you're trying to walk again, don't waste your time with some band exercises a physical therapist is going to tell you. You want to walk? Start walking. Use common sense. Get up, and before you learn how to walk, learn how to stand. Learn how to stand on one foot. Hold on to something, and then one step at a time. And before you start walking, learn how to walk with a walker, and then learn how to walk, then learn how to jog, and then maybe you can run start learning how to sprint but think in baby steps baby steps be patient 
okay because it does take a long time for your body to adapt and adjust so give your body some time to grow to strengthening itself and to even relearn certain movement patterns like walking for us walking is normal we do it subconsciously we don't have to think about what we do when we walk but people who did not walk for four years they actually need to think about every single step and not to lose the balance and how to walk sideways, how to walk backwards, how to turn in place. And yeah, baby steps. It sounds so simple. You make it sound and seem so easy. I know in practice, especially you having walking with people through that transformation and change, it is hard. It does take courage. It does take a new mindset. I want to talk about something else that you and I've talked about, and it's, it was really enlightening for me. It's still on mind-body connection, but it's, it's actually a bridge into anxiety. And, and what it is specifically, or this point that I'm about to share, really stood out to me. And, and it also resonated with me because um, as I've learned more, at, just through walking through my journey myself and, and actually going through healing, healing was never a word that I associated with, but to, to go from from you know being unhealthy or healthy you have to heal uh you know from unhealthy to healthy you have to heal and so for me you know there's always a level of like of uh unhealth in our life or it seems to me that there's always something we can be working on to improve our health and mm -hmm. so the process of healing is really a continuous thing whether you're not walking or you're perfectly fine and functioning there's still your body is in a continuous healing process like every day detox it really is. there's no baseline so whether you're deteriorating or you're building healing but there's no baseline your body will never stop yeah well and that that was a really important concept for me and what i didn't recognize too that was exercise would there's this idea of exposure therapy where people for example who are afraid of spiders one of the ways they can overcome that fear of spiders is they hold a spider and it's exposure therapy. It's like right. basically making it experiential. I'm not going to die. Right. Yes. And one of the things that you encountered coming from Germany to the U S was the recognition of how many clients deal with stress or anxiety. And, and this is really interesting to me because I've learned that stress or anxiety is really a function of, of our nervous system it's really a function of our lack of control over our nervous system. And there's a number of other things involved, but when it comes to actually healing through exercise, one of the most empowering things I've realized is that there's like this exposure therapy that happens when you put your body under some sort of stress, you actually become less stressed. I don't know how else yep. to explain that, but you become like less, like, I don't panic because I know my body's okay under stress, if that makes sense. You know, the, the best antidote to stress or anxiety is actually competence. Have you ever heard that before? TJ, still there? Have you ever heard that before? I haven't. No, it's paused for a second. What, so it, repeat it for me one more time. The, so best, the best antidote, antidote is... for anxiety or stress is actually competence. Okay, so we talked about it that my culture, the German culture, deals completely different with anxiety than the American culture. We, we just don't have anxiety in Germany. It just does not exist. And people always look at me, what do you mean it does not exist? It, it has, but no, it's, it does not. Or at least there's no name for it. So for example, if I'm a little bit nervous, because I have a webinar with you and I don't know how many people are going to join. Some people would say, yeah, that's anxiety. I'm just like, but that's normal. I'm going to talk in front of people. Like I'm saying, I'm a little bit insecure about my English because I only speak English for four years. So of course I'm going to be a little bit nervous. Of course I have some anxiety, but I don't, I don't put a name on it or I don't see it as like some kind of condition. Does that kind of make sense? And what you just said about the exposure therapy, and this is exactly how we deal with it, okay? You have anxiety, social anxiety, whatever. In Germany, they just put you in front of people. Just talk, okay? Nobody's going to judge you, just talk. I guarantee you, you feel better after 
after your speech or you have anxiety calling people because you i don't know you you're a salesperson whatever but you have a hard time make 10 calls and i guarantee you, you feel better a lot of people have anxiety right now because of the coronavirus nobody knows what's going on but this is actually something and the best antidote for anxiety is competence okay you're scared because of coronavirus you don't you just don't know what's going to happen okay but all you do is you watch cnn cnn or ktl5 you should not use the news to educate yourself on coronavirus you should actually educate yourself looking at real data and real research okay and the more you know about the coronavirus the less anxiety you will have the less stress you will have because of the virus because you don't know what's going on am i going to die just because i have to go to stata brothers and get some milk no and when it comes to to my clients most of my clients probably 90 percent of my clients do have anxiety on a daily basis and only 50 percent of these clients i really believe that they really do have anxiety the other 50 percent wants to have anxiety and i feel bad saying that but i truly believe they want to have anxiety they want to have a reason to smoke weed every day they want to have a reason to be on certain medications they want to have a reason to stay home does that make sense and this is how i see anxiety of course there's there's some real anxiety out there i i 100 so don't get me wrong when i say that and i do take it serious when someone comes and tells me hey i deal with anxiety on a daily basis but normally i figure out real quick if if it is real anxiety or if this person wants to have anxiety okay what you yeah. just said i don't want that to be overlooked i'm going to repeat it because you said it a couple of times i'm not sure if everybody like whether they just joined or whether I just want to repeat it because it was so powerful. The best antidote for anxiety is competence. competence and, and just truly getting educated about whatever it is that you're facing or, or yeah. even just, just facing it is essentially what you're saying and growing in that muscle, growing in that muscle that you have, maybe it's a weak muscle in socially, right? Maybe it's a weak muscle, even physically, like many people, and you know, this. people have anxiety, even thinking about going back to the gym right, or yeah, going back do. to getting into working out. And so if we think about it differently, as if it's a muscle to get back into the gym and that maybe it just needs to strengthen, maybe we just need to get some reps and grow in our competency and our strength, our ability, wow. then we can actually face it with a little bit more uh calmness our body can be more calm i love that 100 percent. now as it relates to physical and and this ties into the to the idea of our nervous system okay and and by the way guys like our nervous system when we're in sympathetic tone okay that's our state where we're in fight or flight state versus parasympathetic tone rest and digest repair state and so if I'm training with Ben and I get into sympathetic tone because my body's undergoing stress, that's normal. By the way, stress is not a bad word. It just depends on how much and whether I'm allowing my body to complete the stress response cycle through calming down, repairing, and actually giving my body the nutrients, the sleep, the recovery in the state that it needs to be in, right? But here's the key. And you, you know, when we're stressed, when we're in sympathetic tone, fight or flight tone, you know, I'll, I'll come to training sometimes for whatever reason, maybe I've got something on my mind, right? And you can tell, maybe it's because it's the morning or maybe it's just because I've had some stress and I carry some non-active muscular tension. So my body, I carry some stress up here. And, you know, Ben can tell right away, oh, like TJ might need to, to really loosen up. And one of the ways to, to actually tell his body to almost calm down before we go back into stress state is by movement. It's actually calming my body down before I can get it back into that stress state. 
Now, here's the crazy thing, and I read this the other day. Muscles are a puppet of the nervous system. Muscles are a puppet, and this is like Ben, you to a T. This is one of the most enlightening things that we've talked about. Can you tell me about what that means? Muscles are a puppet to the nervous system. So I like to use muscle stiffness as an example when it comes to your nervous system health. And you can tell when people are really stiff and really tight and they do believe actually my muscles are tight my muscles are really stiff but in reality your muscles are not stiff your muscles are long enough to perform a split any time of the day let's just use split for an example the only reason you are not able to do a split right now is because your nervous system or your brain does not allow you to go into a split because as soon as you start going down into a split your nervous system recognizes this movement okay and sends neurotransmitters back to your muscles to stop you at a certain point because you do not know since you haven't done this movement in so long probably since forever does not know when you stop your nervous system is going to stop you okay but let's just use an example if you're going to put while you're trying to go into a split your hands on a hot stove and you're going to distract your nervous system you can go into a split right now without hurting yourself, without putting something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And people always have a hard time believing me, but tight muscles or muscles are basically a reflection of your nervous system. Like you said, puppets. If you're tight, your nervous system is tense up for whatever reason that might be but it's just because your nervous system does not allow you certain movements or to loosen up not because your actual muscle is just tight when we talked about this and we almost there's almost been times too when we've been training and i'll get distracted and i can actually see like there's like i'm more flexible like there's something that happens when my body is distracted, that allows me to be more flexible. And I think this is an interesting example. Ben, you're going to love this. A friend of mine, uh, a couple, they just had a baby together. And we haven't had a baby, my wife and I, Savannah, we haven't had a baby, maybe one day. But one of the things that I was asking them, because this was very recent, was I said, well, how was it? You know, I, I don't know anything about the birthing process, but I imagine it was probably painful. And I'm just curious, like from your personal experience, I was asking my friend who's the wife, how was, how was it? And she said, well, it's actually, it wasn't as bad because I was mentally prepared for it. And we'd gone through training and classes and I really prepared for the worst. And then, uh, and then the husband told me, um, this is a very mentally strong couple. So this was the friend who swam the English Channel in like a record time for Americans last year. And we were on the boat with him when they were, you know, when he was swimming. That's an incredible story itself. And, but I was asking him, I said, well, how did, what were you doing? Were you quiet? You know, were you engaging with her in some way? And he said, actually, one of the things that they train you to do, and you're going to love this, is to distract pressure points distract them through specific pressure points exactly what you just said if you put your hand on the hot stove you can do the splits and it's not any different when it comes to even giving birth push the pressure points that's what the husband's instructed to do for the wife so that she's mentally distracted it helps with both the pain and the ability to push out the baby incredible I love that. incredible that's a i love that and so your, your point is literally what people are teaching, you know, yeah. besides you, of course, when, when we're training, your point is what people are teaching. Um, the, the other question, you know, and, and this is just more around the idea of, hey, like signs of stress, guys, tightness, anger, irritability, restlessness, feeling overwhelmed, unmotivated, unfocused, trouble sleeping or sleeping too much, racing thoughts, constant worry. I mean, I never associated with some of these things as anxiety, but these are signs of stress. And I really believe, and God showed me this several years ago. He said, TJ, one of the keys to life is actually learning how to manage stress. And so I, I've actually been on this journey of doing that myself, uh, you know, making bad decisions consistently, problems with your memory, uh, hormones, body fat. Ben, can you talk to me a little bit about 
physiology, uh, the physiology and just even looking at, we were talking the other day about hormones and where body fat sits and how you can identify stress with somebody based on where their body fat is sitting. Yes, yeah, so we used cortisol, stress-related weight gain. We talked about hormonal imbalances. So let me just give you an example. If a man, for example, starts carrying his body fat like a woman, breast tissue, around the hips, that means generally that he's low in testosterone and high in estrogen. If, for example, someone, a male figure, is holding a lot of back fat, lower back fat, fat in the lower back, but it's actually pretty lean in the front, it's most of the time related to high cortisol level, high stress hormone levels. If someone, uh, what else? Let's just stick to the male. Like if a 20, sometimes it's genetically, but if a 20 or 25 year old male, for example, starts losing hair and it's not genetically, it could be stress related, or it could also be a hormonal imbalance. It could be that your body is basically converting your total testosterone or too much of your total testosterone in your dehydrotestosterone and not enough in estrogen. All these kind of things tell me a lot about how your body's functioning and in what kind of state you're in. It's amazing all... because, go ahead. No, please go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's, it's amazing because even just your, if your body, we talk about this all the time and, and our, we had a session with Claire, a professional counselor. And one of the things we talk about frequently is how your body keeps the score, how your body really shows you a lot of what you need to know about what's going on on the inside. And when you told me that, I was like, wow, that's, that's even, I mean, duh, that makes sense. But I didn't even, I didn't know that we could visually get an idea of, of what kind of stress issues or, or maybe hormonal imbalances you're having just even visually looking at these visual cues. Oh, yeah. So that was powerful. That was powerful. Um, there's a, there's a, then I do have one question just very quickly before we get to sensitivity. And if we have the time, I'd like to spend an extra like 10, 10, 15 minutes if you have the time, Ben. Sorry, Ben. Um, and so, <laughs> and so if, you, uh, if you think about stress, I just have a question because I think this question comes up. Some, some clients are working with, okay, they were like all state athletes in high school, for example, okay? But, you know, in America, that's like prime talent for college some of the best athletes you can, you can get. And for example, they were a runner. And maybe they also simultaneously, uh, at some point in their life, started dealing with heavy anxiety. And there's a lot of things that are, by the way, guys, there's so much more to this than just, oh, well, like, I have a, a hard situation going on in my life. There's like genetic predispositions that happen. There's things that are, that are like there's wiring in our mind. There's things we open ourselves up to that can contribute towards stress, anxiety, aside from the fact that just traveling on an airplane is stressful on your body or going to do HIIT workouts with, without proper recovery is stress on your body. So there's a number of things that contribute to somebody's stress or anxiety. Now that notwithstanding, this, let's just say if somebody finds themselves to be an anxious person all of a sudden, and maybe they weren't in the past, but they were also historically an athlete. And so the way they deal with their anxiety is through like really intense running, but they don't have a good understanding of what healthy recovery and active rest looks like. So they just continue punishing their body. Now, I'm curious your perspective. When somebody is super anxious like that, deals with their stress in that way, what's your response? I mean, in this case, you body is probably going to stop you at one point. So something is going to happen that your body, since this person has such a competitive or athletic mindset and just keeps going and going and going because this is what this person knows or all this person knows, something is going to happen. Your body is going to stop you. How that looks like, in 
so many different things can happen. You can injure yourself. You can literally burn out. You're going to lose your appetite. You are going to lose quality sleep. You, the, the cause, again, you have to figure out what is the cause. And like you're saying, probably, hey, the wrong mindset. And all this person wants to do because this, all this person wants is to run and run and run and run and run. And at the end of the day, even if working out is healthy and causes positive stress, at one point, the stress is just not manageable anymore for your body. And this is when your body will stop you. You might get a flu, you might get a cold, you might injure yourself, you might, um, you might lose your appetite, you, you're not going to make any progress anymore, you're going to be tired 24-7, you sleep 10 hours, you get quality sleep, and, but you're still restless in the morning. So there's many, many things that can happen. Okay, but if you are going to experience something unusual, this is probably your body trying to tell you, hey man, you're going to calm down a little bit, you're going to kill me. If you keep running constantly in the red zone, I have to stop you. You can't keep pushing me into the red. You need to give me a break. Give me some time to grow. Give me some time to recover. Give me some time to manage stress. At the end of the day, your body, stress is stress. Positive stress, negative stress. There's so many different kinds of stress. But if your body is just not able to manage and handle the stress anymore, your body will shut you down. Something is going to happen. And just pay attention, like you said earlier, Pay attention to the biofeedback your body gives you. Listen to your body. Learn, learn a lot, learn all about your body. Yeah. Yeah, it ties in. Go ahead. If you experience anything unusual, there might be something wrong, or you might do something wrong. Yeah, when you when you when you share that and just learning how to pay attention to your body, the biofeedback, it's a great segue into the last idea here. And this is really about, um, you know, understanding for me, one of the big parts of my healing journey. I mean, I, you know, I really started, I didn't know this at the time, but I started healing in the gym, healing in my heart. I started healing in the gym after losing my dad. I, I, I was going to the gym because I knew I needed to have some consistency for, for my physical body. Otherwise I would, I just wouldn't. And, you know, I would spent years working out really the wrong way without even knowing that I was working out the wrong way. But fortunately had a friend pull me in and say, Hey man, let's go work out together with Jose who's in New York and um, a good friend of mine now and, and an excellent personal trainer, uh, coach and friend. Um, but really in the gym, I was healing my heart. And one of the things that was really important about healing my heart is that, you know, cause we talked about healing the body and that's absolutely true. You know, movement is medicine for the body, but it's really about, it's medicine for the heart in, in another is. way too. And we've talked about that at length. And so one of the important aspects that I just want to touch on as we move into understanding and, and becoming more sensitive to biofeedback is you know, how do you think about how hard you can push your body, Ben? Because you have a very good understanding after so many years of doing supplements, doing the right things, doing the wrong things, getting great coaching, being directed in the right way, maybe not the right way, trying things out yourself. I mean, you were on new, new products and everything for like every six weeks for years, right? Doing blood draws, like you and the epicenter of where all of this stuff in Cologne, where they had the world expo every year for health and fitness. And you're at the epicenter of this every year. And you're, so your sensitivity is so high that just so many people can learn from what you've learned from. So if, if I'm new to understanding, you know, the sensitivity in my body, cause Ben, I was raised dude, like your body's going to get punished. So just bring it along for the ride not like support your body, you know, and you've helped me change some of my perspective on that. You've helped me. So if you're talking with somebody who is new to developing that sensitivity to biofeedback, what would be like the first three things you would tell them to pay attention to? 
first and most important three things, definitely sleep. How does working out or training affect your sleep? Some people start working out, they sleep like a baby, they wake up in the morning, they just feel great. Some people after a while start realizing, hey man, I just can't sleep. And people like to talk about overtraining. They just like to talk about overtraining. And to me, most of these people are not even able to push their bodies even close to the limit, literally. So most of the people who talk about overtraining or think they are burned out because of working out or training or the exercises, and most of the time are just under sleeping or under eating. So they don't really support, they eat to fill their emotional needs or they just don't know about nutrition. <clears throat> but if you have a goal and if you really want to start healing your body, becoming better, living a healthier lifestyle, you have to eat to support your training. And there's also a difference between eating right and eating healthy. I mean, I think we talked about it in Nutrition 101. Um, but yeah, definitely make sure that you eat right in order to recover properly. The first thing is definitely sleep. The second thing, what kind of beef? How is my body changing? Am I going into the right direction? If I'm training because I want to change my appearance, 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 like my physical presence, and I'm not going to see any kind of change after about 12 to 16 weeks, and I'm really talking about any kind of change, you're probably doing something wrong. Again, it can, can be the training, it could be your nutrition, it could be recovery in general. So sleep, number one. B, am I changing in the way I want it? And three, How's my mood, actually? Am I a happy person? Am I irritated all the time? Am I anxious? Am I moody? Am I grumpy? Pay attention to these three things. Sleep, how's my sleep? Is working out improving my sleep quality? Or is it doing the opposite? Number two, how am I changing? Am I going into the right direction? Or am I just running in place? And yeah, three, how's my mood? Am I a happier person? Which normally happens when you start working out. Or does my training let me like burnt out? You know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Like really, how do I feel? Does it improve my, my mood? Or Am I just moody, grumpy, irritable, like these kind of things? So sleep, the physical, the, how your physical appearance changes, and your mood. Yeah, absolutely. I, I personally haven't gone through this journey over the last several years, decade now of like beginning, then getting some traction, then seeing some real changes after getting a lot of things in balance that were out of balance. I can personally say that those three things absolutely resonate, absolutely resonate. And the number one thing that you said around sleep, is it improving my sleep or not? Well, the reality is you can be more tired. That doesn't mean that it's improving your sleep. You actually might just be showing, showing yourself how you need to eat more, eat right, and that you actually need to think about maybe how you're exercising and if you're really like supporting your body in that process because a 10 minute, there's research that shows a 10 minute walk can be better than a 45 minute workout for people who are suffering with anxiety or depression or, you know, are already under stress. In other words, we're not necessarily meant to um, be navigating some of the more difficult workouts in our life when we have a lot of difficulty already. Um, so one thing, go ahead. No, please go ahead. One thing I want to do and I want, I'd love for you to share is I wanted to, uh, we're giving away a prize. I'm actually going to send $10 on Venmo or Cash App. You need to give me your Venmo or Cash App name if you can answer this question. So just post in the chat. What was Ben's number one antidote for anxiety? What was Ben's number one antidote for anxiety? <laughs> if you can I answer that. that 
and oh, give, Wade Wilson. That's yeah, great. If you can give your Cash App or Venmo name with it, because you have to give both. That. You have to give it with your Cash App or Venmo name, so I know who to send it to. I'm glad. I'm glad people are paying attention. You have people highly engaged, Ben. It's great. So Make up as, another question, and this yeah. person is going to. I will give this person a 30-minute call about health, nutrition, training, whatever they want to talk about. How does that sound? I love it. Yeah. So, so call with Ben about health, nutrition. All right. So Reed's got Venmo. I'm about to send Reed a $10 Venmo right now for competency. Meredith, you're a little too late. And so if I'm going to ask another question and somebody's going to be able to get a, uh, a free call with Mr. Ben himself. Congratulations, Reed. Well done. This is actually my favorite. I love paying people. Boom. There it is, Reed. You, my friend, have $10 right now in your account. Thank you very much. Uh, next question we'll ask is, and we'll see if somebody's been on for a while here. Okay, we'll see if somebody's been on for a while. Um, we said that muscles are a what to your nervous system? Muscles are a what to your nervous system? And I'll give you a hint. Ooh, read Reed again. Can't, Reed can't win twice. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's crazy. Muscles are a what to your nervous to your nervous system? And I'll give you a hint. Think Sesame Street. Think Sesame Street. And Ben, while we're getting answers in, while we're getting answers in, um, I would love to just talk about a couple of final tips, specifically around enjoyment, small goals, consistency, accountability, and particular, in particular, results. In particular, results. And it uh, looks like Angela's the winner, by the way, for the free call, so we'll set that up. Thank you, Angela. Congratulations. That's great. Now we wanted you to message everybody. So Ben, really quick, the big yes. tip for me that, that you have really showed me and it's, it's powerful, results. Are yes. you getting results? Yes. That has been a tremendous encouragement on my fitness journey is one thing you said to me, I'll never forget it. I even use it now is I'm here to make you better, not tired. I'm here to make you better, not tired. Can you tell people from your perspective, one of the best way, no matter where you are on your fitness journey, from your perspective, what's the number one way somebody can start thinking about getting results in their life? Um, what's my number one tip? Definitely track your progress. Let me just give you an example. Let's just go in, let's just say you're a bodybuilder, you're a powerlifter, or you're going to lift weights. Track or um, write it down in a logbook. Okay? Track your workouts. Hey, what did I do last week? How can I beat myself? Oh wait. Sorry. What did I do last week or last workout session? And how can I beat myself? Am I in a good mood? Am I going to be able to lose the same weight for the same rep range? Am I going to do more reps instead of the more weight? But definitely track your progress. Okay? Write it all down in a logbook. Doesn't matter what kind of workout you're following. And always try to beat your last workout unless you don't have a good day. Then you just go to the gym or then you just do whatever you want, whatever you feel like doing. Hello? That's an amazing piece of advice. So That's definitely amazing. Track your progress. Number one thing. Because I know so, so many good. people, I know so many people that just run a place for years and years and years. I moved in this complex two years ago and I still see the same people five to six days a week in the gym and they still look exactly the same. And I still, I hear them complaining every single day about, 
not making progress and running in place and their metabolism slowed down. They have all kinds of excuses. But when you ask them, hey, what are you doing different now compared to what did you do like two years ago? They still do the same. They're still on the elliptical every day for 40 minutes for the past two years. It's not going to happen. You're not going to change. You need to force your body to change. You need to add in a little bit of progression. If you're going longer or if you're going harder or if you're going more often, if you increase the frequency, but track your progress. That is one of the best pieces of advice I've heard in a while. It sounds so simple, but this rings true when it comes to even just how you reflect. There's unhealthy reflection and healthy reflection. Unhealthy reflection is I'm not going anywhere because I'm not even tracking it. But all I do is think about how I'm not where I want to be. Healthy reflection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And healthy reflection is just looking back and saying, where have I been? And where am I today? And that is the number one way, whether you're doing, you know, physical goals or financial goals. That is the number one way. It's the number one pitfall I see with people who get in the spiral, the head spin. I've done it. I've been there. And it's the number one way when, we, when we're able to understand this is where I want to be, but this is how far I've come. And that is just such an empowering way to think. So Ben, thank you so much for the extra time. Guys, thank you for, for answering the poll. We had 100% response rate. Would you recommend this? you had one question or someone had a question. Oh, let's see. The I didn't yoga see question any come you sent through. Me? Oh, yes. Ayurvedic practice. That's right. And I think that I'm really glad you brought that up. Ayurvedic practice. I'll just quickly read it. I'll just quickly read it. Uh, but there is a... Um, there's a question about Ayurvedic principles of healing as they relate to exercise, the three main body types, um, and how they'll react or respond differently to different techniques paired with the corresponding diet. Someone who is actually, she's beginning a Christian yoga business. Um, we've worked with her. She's awesome. She's done a number of different things, uh, whether it's professionally and, and now kind of translating that into her personal journey um, and and expressing it through yoga so she's learning a lot about eastern uh, philosophy and eastern ways of, of practice of exercise so that would be great if you do have a thought there ben because i know she wouldn't wasn't able to make it but wanted wanted us to cover it i can't really give you an exact answer to that question on that necessarily the answer she would like to hear because i just don't have the experience in yoga i like yoga but i just don't have the experience to give you a proper answer. What I can tell you is when it comes to healing or to living a healthier lifestyle is the best exercise you can do is actually the one you do and enjoy. Okay, so if you love to do yoga, go for yoga. If you like to lift weights, lift weights. If you like to run, go and run. Okay, it doesn't make sense following a workout regime or any kind of, of plan if you don't enjoy it it's not going to help you heal it's not going to help you become better or happier or healthier okay so the best exercise you can do is the one you actually do and the only thing i would show this is that most of the studies about movement as medicine the main thing they all have in common is that an increased muscle mass, an increase in muscle tissue, gives you more benefits than working out in a way which does not increase the volume of your muscle tissue. Does that kind of make sense? That one kind of went past me for a second, so say it one more time. Okay, so if you take a look, at all the studies at all the research at all the data how movement or how exercise improve your your health they all have something or one thing in common and it's an increase in muscle tissue muscle mass okay so if you're trying to live a healthier lifestyle if, if we are really talking about decreasing cardiovascular disease risk if we are really talking about type 2 diabetes for example muscle tissue muscle mass and the best way to do that it's definitely some kind of weight training 
Mm. So that's actually, that's super interesting because I think um, people have various goals and various reasons why they don't pursue uh, whether, you know, preconceived notions, whatever it might be, why they don't pursue weight training, but to hear that, and that's actually very interesting to understand that muscle increasing muscle mass does help with healing tremendously. Um, so I, we had, uh, we had Chris say, thank you so much, Ben. This is super enlightening. I'll take better notes next time, Chris, we're going to have a replay for you. That was great guys. You can, um, <laughs> Guys, there's a lot of notes to take. I actually have a whole, I have a whole notebook full of notes right now with everything that we've talked about and more. Um, I want to let you guys know that the book, uh, my book coming out, Back to Basics, How to Get More Out of Life by Doing Less Than You Think, you can get using the link in the chat, corepillars.com. You can pre-order that. A lot of what Ben and I have talked about has influenced a lot of what's in the book. And we talk about um, diet, sleep, and movement. Movement is the third core pillar I talk about in the book. And movement as medicine is a, is a very important concept that, uh, that I discuss and elaborate on a lot more because of the influence from you, Ben, and from a number of other people who have helped me on my journey. So I appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here, guys. Ben, thank, thank you. you. All right. We'll see you guys soon.